Hello, good morning and welcome to each and all of you. As always, whoever you are, wherever you are, you are so welcome to join us as together we take time at the beginning of this new day and this new week to stop again, to reflect, to give thanks for the blessings that we have received and to seek the mercy and the help that we so often need. As you will know that up to now throughout the year, we have in the church calendar been celebrating different feasts. And all of these feasts in one way or another have been associated with the work of God in Jesus and through the Holy Spirit on our behalf. But we have now entered that time in the church calendar that is often referred to as ordinary time. I know it sounds a bit strange, but actually it's referring to a time that has been given over to us as followers of Jesus, as members of his church, that now that we have received the gift of God's salvation, this is a time that we give thought to how we will live out that salvation, how we will allow the grace of God to work itself out in our individual lives and, of course, in our collective life as his family and his church. And it's as his family that I invite you Come with us as we together say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us for our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Friends, pain. Pain enters all of our lives in many different and varied ways. Sometimes it's inflicted upon us by the sins of others, Sometimes it's self-inflicted through our own sinning. But whatever its source, whatever its origins, our pain is never beyond the redeeming, restoring, renewing, healing reach of God. The poem that Stephen will read to us now is called Pain. It describes how pain can be redeemed and can, in fact, become a source of healing for others that God puts in our way. Pain by the Lebanese-American poet Khalil Gibran Your pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. Even as the stone of the fruit must break, that its heart may stand in the sun, so must you know pain. And could you keep your heart in wonder at the daily miracles of your life? Your pain would not seem less wondrous than your joy. And you would accept the seasons of your heart, even as you have always accepted the seasons that pass over your fields. And you would watch with serenity through the winters of your grief. Much of your pain is self-chosen. It is the bitter potion by which the physician within you 
heals your sick self. Therefore, trust the physician and drink his remedy in silence and tranquility. For his hand, though heavy and hard, is guided by the tender hand of the unseen. And the cup he brings, though it burn your lips, has been fashioned of the clay which the potter has moistened with his own sacred tears. Friends, will you join me now as we come before God our Father in a prayer of approach? Father, we come to you this morning, to you, our Maker, our Saviour, the source of all of our life. You are the source of all that we are and all that we will be. This Sunday morning, we together stop to give you our thanks. We together today lift our voices in thanksgiving, fill our hearts with words of praise to you. We come to you at the end of a week and at the beginning of a day with grateful hearts, the Father, hearts that are grateful for all the blessings we have received, most especially for the gift of Jesus, in whom our souls, and yes, our hearts and our minds, find healing and wholeness. For the gift of Jesus, through whom our relationship with you is restored. Father, when things happen that we find hard to deal with, when, like the prodigal son, our head goes down and our eyes can see no further than our feet, in those times, when we meet with you, will you help us, like the prodigal was with his father, to be honest with you, even if it's through tears of sadness and regret, all of us, sadly in more ways than we care to remember, have stumbled and strayed. Will you please grant us the mercy we don't deserve this morning and give us the grace we so desperately need for the day and the week ahead? Will you help us to trust you with our future? When it may be hard to feel your presence or to remember your past blessings, Will you, like the boy's father, gently tilt our faces upwards to look into your face and there to discover your immense compassion and loving acceptance? And in the experience of that merciful compassion and in the presence of that loving acceptance, like the prodigal, to begin again, to believe again, to hope again, to rejoice again. All this we ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Saviour. Amen. And now Stephen will bring us our second reading from the book of Acts. Our short passage from the New Testament comes from the Gospel of John at chapter 20, reading verses 19 to 23. John 20 at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, 
when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Amen. How do you read the Bible? How hard do you look at the stories that you're reading? At the Harvard School of Business, they revere a man called Louis Agassi. Agassi was a scientist who taught there in the 1800s, and his field of study was fossils and fish. But Agassi's genius was as a teacher. In fact, his ideas on instruction are still used at Harvard today. One of his students writes telling of the first time he interviewed with Agassi for a place on his program. After a short interview at the professor's laboratory, Agassi took down a glass jar with a dead fish in it. He placed the jar before the prospective student and said to him, Look at the fish, and by and by I will ask you what you see. And off Agassi went and left the student alone with the fish. Well, the student sat there for a moment and, and looked at the fish. He turned the jar this way and that way. He looked into the jar. He picked up the jar, looked at the fish underneath, and then put the jar down. And then twiddling his thumbs, he didn't know what else to do. So he waited for Agassi to return, and he did one hour later. Agassi said to him, so tell me what you see. And the student gave a very basic description of the dead fish in the jar. Agassi said to him, keep looking and tell me what you see. I'm going to lunch. So Agassi went off for another hour to lunch. The student sat there, not knowing what to do. So they decided to take the fish out of the jar. Holding it in their hand, they held it up to the light. They turned it this way and that way. They saw a bit more detail. Agassi came back and said to the student, Now tell me what you see. And the student gave a, little, a, de a description that was a little bit more detailed than the first one, but not very. And Agassi said to him, Keep looking, I'll be back in an hour. As he went off, the student sat there, amused and bewildered, wondering, what do I do now? So eventually, he took a pencil and paper, and he began to draw the fish. And he counted the gills, and he counted the teeth, and he counted the scales, and then he drew them, and he looked at the shape of the tail and, and, and the fins. When Agassi came back, he noticed the man was drawing, and he said to the student, Yes, a pencil makes a great eye. Now tell me what you see. At which point, the student went into a long and detailed description of the fish. And Agassi said, ah, now you see the fish. What if we applied Agassi's advice on looking when reading the stories of the Bible? 
Do you think we would learn more about what God is trying to show us? Let me give you an example. Take the story that was read to us this morning from St. John's Gospel. John describes how the doors and windows were locked that day. Now, is it possible that John was not just describing the physical locking of windows and doors? Is it possible he was also describing the interior life of the disciples at that moment? He tells us that they were so locked into their grief that they could not really even engage with Mary's story of the resurrection. Grief can do that to us, friends. In shutting things out, we can, in our grief, lock ourselves in. And we often lock ourselves in when we view our grief as a problem to solve or an obstacle to overcome. But grief is not a problem to be solved and it is not an obstacle to overcome. It is not a one-time event. It is, as those who have gone through it know, a process that we go through. And it is a process that varies from person to person. And it takes as long as it takes. The disciples were still grieving when Jesus showed up that day. And he didn't tell them to buck up and get over it. Instead, he showed them his wounds. In a sense, he confronted them with the source of their grief. And then he stood with them in the midst of it. Have you ever asked yourself, why didn't Jesus heal his own wounds? I mean, if we could, we would all heal our own wounds. We would all seek to eradicate the scars of our past traumas. But Jesus didn't do that. Why not? After all, those wounds were a vivid and unpleasant reminder to the disciples of their shared common trauma. The sight of them brought back the horrible feelings that they had had that day, witnessing the violence done to the man that they loved and believed in. It's not easy to talk about our wounds, the marks of those deep hurts that brought with them gut-wrenching and soul-ripping pain. It's not easy to talk about the wounds we have received, and perhaps it's even harder to talk about the ones that we have inflicted. To look at the wounds we have received and the wounds we have inflicted means taking responsibility for our responses and our reactions. But if we do, they will teach us. They will teach us to better perceive, to better recognize, and better handle, and God willing, to help heal the wounds of others. To talk about the wounds we inflicted requires us to look at what we have done and what we have left undone. And in doing that, we might need to confess. We might need to forgive. We might need to reach out or to open ourselves to the reaching out of another's reaching towards us. We might need to offer the ointment of healing to another or to receive another's ointment for our own healing.
What do you do with your wounds? Like you, I know that all that I have said up to now is up here in my head and it makes perfect sense. But most of the time, like most people, I don't want to face or to deal with my wounds. It's too painful. It makes me feel so uncomfortably vulnerable and powerless. The truth is, often we want to ignore our wounds, to deny that they exist, to hide them so that others cannot see them. And other times, if we're honest, we can use them to manipulate others into pitying us, to help making us the center of everybody's attention. Or most dangerous of all, we use them as justification for hurting others. When reading this story, I, I could not stop thinking about the physicality of Jesus' gesture the way that he deliberately drew attention to his wounds, the way that he deliberately drew attention to his body. I thought about a friend of mine who specializes in trauma counseling. A lot of her work is with soldiers suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. She also works with the victims of violent crime. Talking to her one day, she explained to me that when we experience traumatic psychic pain, or indeed any kind of psychic pain, in the moment we experience it, and then we put it somewhere until we are ready to deal with it. When I asked her where do we put it, she said, we put it into our bodies, and we hold it there until we are ready to deal with it. I then asked, what if we don't deal with it? Does it just stay there? She said, yes and no. It stays in our body, but it manifests itself in physical tension, leaking out sometimes in physical illness and sometimes in self-destructive and self-sabotaging habits. Jesus didn't do any of those things, did he? Why? I want you to do what Agassi encourages us to do. Look and keep looking. Why did Jesus offer us the signs of his humiliation? Why show us the marks of his very public pain as proof of his identity? Surely a miracle or two would have sufficed for the apostles, or even a rerun of one of his best sermons. But he does not do any of those things. Instead, he shows up in a room with locked doors and closed windows, a room full of locked-in, frightened people. And he says to them, Peace be with you. And he then proceeds to show them his wounds. And after showing them his wounds, he says, Peace be with you. The peace Jesus offers us is not about serenity. It's not about the absence of conflict or the threat of danger. It does not mean that the apostles and us will have all of our questions answered. 
But it is a peace that does change the heart and the mind of those who receive it. It does enable hurt people to go out into the world and with their wounds and through their wounds to become wounded healers to others, to others who are hurting with a heart pain they don't know what to do with. Peace be with you. The peace that Jesus offers is not a wounded peace, but it is the peace of the wounded. It is, in a sense, the peace that holds our wounds. Instead of taking away the memory of his pain and his humiliation and their shared trauma, he reminded them of it in the most vivid and powerful way that he could. His wounds and their trauma sit right in the middle of the peace he offers. The peace he offered before and after holds their wounds like two hands. What if that's true for us, friends? Is it possible if we let his peace be the hands that hold our wounds? We'll be able to stand and to offer others the healing that comes from the wounds of our suffering. So let me close with some questions. What will you do with your heart wounds today, my friend? Will they act like your jailer and shut you in, make you sick and angry? Or will you let Jesus hold them in his peace so that through them you can bring healing to others? God bless you. Friends, shall we now join Alison as she leads us in the prayers of intercession? Father, we thank you that we can come to you today to pray for the needs of others and ourselves. We pray for our church throughout the world, for our ministers and for all who serve the church. Grant them wisdom and discernment in all they do. We pray for our national church in the wake of the General Assembly as decisions made there are acted upon over the coming months and years. We think of our local churches and pray that your work is carried out in our communities with grace and goodwill. We pray for our minister Tony and for Yvonne and their family. We pray for those in our world today who are persecuted for their beliefs. Give them courage, Father. Protect them and give them hope. We pray too for our world leaders, for our community leaders and for those in public office dealing with difficult situations, especially for those dealing with the ongoing pandemic. Help us to be aware of the part we can play by always acting carefully and unselfishly. We hold before you those world leaders who are attending the G7 summit this weekend. Grant them humility understanding and an awareness of the consequences of their actions and decisions for your world. We pray for our teachers and young people as the end of this very different and difficult academic year approaches. Be with those who will be moving on to further education and those entering the world of work. Help us through our Christian life to create a society where young and old gifted and less able,
feel valued and loved. Lord, we turn now to those in need, both in our own community and further afield. We pray for the lost, the hurting, the lonely, the sick and the bereaved. Comfort them and bring them your peace. We pray for the housebound and those in care homes, hospital and hospice. We remember the victims of violence and abuse. Thank you for all those caring for the sick within the family and for those working in our medical, social, emergency and voluntary services. Now, in a few moments of silence, we bring to you those known to us about whom we have particular concerns today. Lord, as we go into this new week, help us to know that you are with us in all we do and say. All this we ask in the name of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now, friends, as you set off for the rest of the day and the rest of the week, let me pronounce upon you the blessing of God that comes from the book of Hebrews. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with every good thing for doing his will. And may he work in you what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. God bless you, friends.